welcome everybody you're watching and perhaps listening listening <laughs> so it's weird because normally normally on, on my it's, it's, it's so what happened was prior prior to this terry screwed with our settings i don't want any excuses bees every no, time no i didn't see i didn't see the title card the title card didn't come up and i still have that weird view that Terry created before on my screen. Okay, so you see so. on the top where it says uh, together mode? Yeah. Click that. And switch no. it back and to gallery view. It's good now, it doesn't matter. It's good now? <laughs> okay, so stop complaining. And that has nothing it's all to good. do. Welcome everyone, you were listening to and perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. It is the 23rd of December. I rarely go on and say the date, uh, but it is around the holidays. And Festivus. We, happy Festivus. It is. I, that's literally where I was going, Terry. Uh, of Seinfeld fame, it is Festivus. Um, and this is a podcast for the rest of us. Um, we are particularly thankful. This was a very difficult year uh, for a lot of us personally as well as professionally with this podcast. Uh, not doing the show in studio was difficult. Uh, having to adjust constantly to uh, our new regulations and, and and what it is that we could and couldn't do and and eagle having to pull overtime to always figure out uh how we can get the show off the ground not um, to mention we hired an intern we have to deal with all the fucking time oh jesus christ it's the worst every day every and like day. I, my coffee is still cold because he yeah. can't be here it's the worst it's the worst. he also like i mean it's normal that the coffee's cold because it has to come all the way from california I know, I know. Not efficient on our hand, on our behalf. No. Hiring an intern who's in another country. Um, <laughs> Eagle, I had to set up my own microphone today. This was uh, terrible. I'm That's surprised we you late. managed to do it without calling me because most of the time you tell me to come <laughs> over and do it. I almost did. I, I couldn't figure <laughs> out. It was like a, I couldn't find a clip to, to uh, get it on the stand. Um, so I, I have was the same gonna... stand. I gave you my stand, right? I have the same. And the microphone, actually. Absolutely. And yeah. I... And I uh, it took me probably like 14 seconds to put it together. Yeah, it took me about 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> and, and so the, the worst thing I had to do, I had to do a couple of things before the show today. One of which was wrap gifts because my gifts, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I, I've always ordered a lot of my gifts online. This year I ordered all the gifts online because I didn't want to go on public. Um, have you guys experienced a lot of delays in getting your gifts? So uh, no, I do a I'm thing an every year. I went to go get my gifts myself. Yeah, so I, I have a tradition every year. I go in on either the 22nd or the 23rd, and I get all my shopping done in one day. It's just a very best. productive day. It sounds terrible. That sounds awful. Extremely efficient. I hit up five stores. Every I year I, I do what I call uh, my alcoholism to gift, uh, which is I go into the SAQ, and then I spend a ton of money, and then I play pl a Price is Right with my friends, and they have to try and figure out how much I spent based on how many bottles I got and a picture of the things, and whoever gets closest without going over gets the most expensive bottle. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, um, I actually have a couple of traditions. One is on Black Friday, I sit in bed and order all of my gifts for Christmas. So all of my shopping is done the end of November, um, and then they arrive, and then I usually have my secretary wrap them for me, and in exchange get her a very nice gift that someone else will wrap for her. Um, <laughs> but being that I've been at home, I had to wrap my own gift this year on top of setting up my own microphone. It was terrible. The oh, my God. Please, you need a vacation. I know. I know. Thank God. Thank God we're going into a period of vacation. Um, but the other thing I, I we, we typically do um, – 
you guys might have seen this on social media with my childhood friends actually um i go around with we usually actually have an event at at my house where everyone comes over and we do a dirty santa but instead of giving each other gifts that we spent money on we find horrible and inconvenient garbage in our homes and then give it to each other and then you then have to throw them out one year i gave a bunch of used batteries because i didn't i didn't want to bring it to the the city safe disposal site it's just inconvenient it's a, it's a five minute drive from my house it's inconvenient so i brought it to someone who lives about 40 minutes away from there and they had to they had to then return it um this year we actually went door to door delivering horrible garbage to people uh one of them was a pair of fishing boots that were my grandfather's that were like size 14 they were too big on anybody in the world basically unless you're an nba or nfl player um so th- th- that was one of the gifts that was given um and uh, it's pretty fun. I really do enjoy giving my friends absolute garbage that is completely thoughtless. Absolutely. I mean, it, there's no better gift than giving somebody that you love something that they can't use. Exactly. That, that's, that's really the Christmas spirit all wrapped up. <laughs> um, it is usually a lot more fun because we do get together. And as we're getting older and a lot of us have children, we have uh, mm-hmm. less and less of that experience. But in a different way, it was sort of fun to, to spread hol- holiday terror, as I like to, as I like to call it. Um, but some holiday terrors befallen um, one journalist who's been fired from Bloomberg. I don't know if you saw this story, Terry. Of uh, what's his name? Uh, Mark, Martin Scarelli. Scarelli. This dude, he's the most hated dude in the world, right? He he raised the price on pharmaceuticals that could save lives five thousand percent. He then was arrested for um, you know manipulating the stock market, insider trading, that kind of stuff, and. Um, a journalist who was assigned to cover him from Bloomberg has left her husband, has fallen in love with him, told her bosses, was fired from, from her job because of this, and now he's not answering her emails. So he's ghosting her after she's done all this. How can like, you he's got to be the biggest dirtbag in the world, right? Like, is there, How is can there you ghost somebody? We said this off air. How can you ghost somebody where you, where, when they know exactly where you are all the time? Because he needs to, like, authorize her to come to prison. Imagine she drives. Like, because prisons, they're not, like, in the city. Yeah. And, like, they're, like, an hour or two hours outside your city, right? So, usually. Unless you live close to a prison, then whatever. But in this case, I doubt she does. And she probably drives, like, an hour and a half to go see this guy. And then she signs all the papers. She has her pass and everything. And she's waiting in the room. And then, like, she has some guard comes up to her and is like, uh, listen, Mrs. Pathetic, uh, she's... <laughs> He doesn't want to see you today. Oh, why? Is he hurt? Is he okay? Oh, no, he's perfectly fine. He's just playing ping pong with some Aryan nation, Aryan Brotherhood guy. And he'd <laughs> rather do that Christine than see you. Smith. Yeah, because uh, Christine Smith, he'd rather spend time with Aryans than you. <laughs> I, I kind of have a hot take on this, though. If she was okay. so good of a journalist, she should have figured out that he was going to ghost her. So but here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Eagle. Like, she's a financial reporter for Bloomberg. The, like, Financial reporters are usually some of the more qualified reporters out there because it's hard work to do. Yeah, that's a terrifying paper trail. Like it could disappear Absolutely, into a whole bunch right? of things. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is like you know these people tend to you know at times even risk their lives covering stories because they're they're generally covering millionaires who can have them murdered at any point. But that's the thing is yeah exactly with these guys is that they there's they have to be so thorough and so I guess they have to have the right connections or else they're dead. Yeah, and, and, and so like and, and on top of that she's writing for Bloomberg, which is a reputable, you know, like financial um 
distribution, right? So it, it just seems it seems bizarre. And to your point, maybe they just made a mistake hiring her because she didn't realize she would be ghosted by a guy who was using her very clearly to get his side of the story out uh, with, with, with said reputable newspaper uh, or, or publication in any case. Um, we have a new game we want to play today. It's Christmas theme. Uh, we dubbed it Jingle Turds. Um, we wanted oh, to discuss, because, you know, in the spirit of the terrible gifts that I give on Christmas, we want to talk about the worst gifts we can give to personalities in and around the world of sports. Uh, we don't know these names ahead of time. We'll try to tie it to things in their past, present, and future, uh, somewhat like a Christmas carol. Eagle, you have the names, do you not? I do, yes. So we're going to start with them. Turd. We're going to start with some easy ones, okay? We're going to go with Hot Sauce Staff to start off with. So, Peas, okay. and this one's actually a double-edged sword because you know him very well. It's your brother, our graphic designer, Duke. Mm-hmm. Our graphicist. What are so, we getting for the graphicist? What would you get the graphicist? Oh, well, I already got him a terrible gift. I got him um, two VHS tapes, one of the Oliver Stone classic Nixon, and the other one, um, a documentary on Mordecai Richler, both on VHS. <laughs> I actually what? gave him this gift this year. What's, there's a documentary on Mordecai Richler? Yeah, it's called The Apprenticeship of Mordecai Richler. It's not actually Duke, called, called, Duke called him Mordecai Rickler, so that's how much Duke reads. <laughs> Duke doesn't have to read. He looks at images all day. That's true. Uh, Terry. you get him? For yeah, oh, no, so you, you get one person each. You get one person each. Uh, oh, Terry, sorry. for you, you're getting our famous intern Alex. Mm. So you got to get him a terrible Christmas gift. A terrible Christmas gift. So this is something that he wouldn't use, right? Yes. So something that he wouldn't use, and he would have Vegetables. no interest. Vegetables could be one. I mean, I feel like he's a little backed up. I feel like he needs he needs. Uh, like, you know, I just yeah, you know, that's a good idea. I'd probably get him two things. It'd be like a like a fun box of sorts. One would be sleeves. There's a couple of times where <laughs> there's a couple of times where on weekly sauce he just decided I'm not gonna wear sleeves, and he has like a like a shirtless like a sleeveless shirt. And then another one is I'll just get him like a shit ton of frozen vegetables that you can make stew with and stuff like that. He seems a little backed up. I think he'll be he'll be fine. He, it'll I help think, him a bit. I, I like the visual Terry of him wearing a cutoff. But wearing compression sleeves, <laughs> like <laughs> athlete, like compression sleeves, athlete, like yeah. he's like like he just came back, like he just came back from like a Division Three offensive lineman workout. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. All right. Next, we're gonna go with our favorite NFL coaches. So Terry, we're gonna go you again. For you, you're getting a gift for Mike McCarthy. Oh my, <laughs> Mike McCarthy. What would I get him? I'd buy him a clue and fire and and fire so he can fire himself at this point. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to say. They've been playing pretty good the last few weeks given the circumstances. So Mike McCarthy, I would buy him a one of those um, those images, uh, just like a picture of him, like a wall, that, but like you can put it in front of your screen, perfectly sized. So when Jerry Jones FaceTimes him, he doesn't realize he's not talking to anybody. So he can just answer and it's just a picture of Mike McCarthy, but Jerry Jones still is talking because he doesn't know how technology works. All right. Uh, Peas, for you, we're going with, of course, Adam Gase, your mm, favorite I, Ma- Miami coach. I'm so shocked. with Adam Gase. So uh, what would I get him? My first instinct, of course, is to go uh, Wizard of Oz because um, he is a man without a heart and uh, without courage. So definitely uh, that's, that's, that's where I want to start. But I think instead I'll go simple. My next thought was maybe a job application because he's going to need one. But... Um, yet, I think I think we need to strip it down even further. 
I'm going to take a piece of paper and draw a, an arrow on it, Eagle. I'm going to draw a single arrow. And that arrow indicates a passing route that extends beyond 10 yards. Because I don't think he knows that that exists. That's, that's a great gift, actually. I'm pretty sure all thank his you, quarterbacks would be very pleased. And then last one on the list. Three gifts would be great, though. Last one on the list here. We're going to involve the ladies a little bit. Pease, I think you get the better category of this. I'm giving you any Victoria's Secret supermodel of your choice. So just to list off a few in case you're not familiar with them. Adriana Lima, Alessandra Ambrosio, Heidi Klum, Miranda Kerr. Pick the one you want to gift, and what are you getting them? Remember, it has to be a garbage gift. (laughs) has to be a garbage gift. Well, um... I, I was going to go with Mike's hot sauce, Mike's barbecue sauce, but unfortunately, that's too great a gift because obviously it's the greatest. Yeah, but they, it's, it has some sugar in there. They don't eat sugar, so maybe it that's is a bad point. Well, they might not be able to eat it, unfortunately. They yeah. don't know what they're missing because it's great. Um, I think what I'm going to do I, is I'll give them the worst gift of all time. It's the same gift I first gave my now wife, my phone number. That's a terrible gift. I will agree with it's that. Terrible gift. They can't use it because A, I'm married, and B, they're not interested. <laughs> and Terry, for you again, we're going with women this time. Pick a your favorite UFC female fighter. I'll list off a few here: uh, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, uh, Gina Carano. Whichever one you want to gift something terrible to. Three, three of which are retired. Doesn't um, matter. Doesn't matter. Pick a, pick a fresh one. This, it doesn't matter. Oh man! And I just buy a bad gift for them. Yeah, that's an eagle, man. You're throwing me off here. I I'd say, man, you, you, you the first time you guys get stumped by you, eagle here. I'm gonna no, say there, Gina there's Carano. been many times. Yeah, maybe this is the first time I remember. I have a short memory. Gina Carano, I'd say Gina Carano, and I would buy her a lot of uh, pro uh, Joe Biden sign lawn signs. That's how nice. because she's very yeah. right wing. So I'd buy her a lot of like Biden, Harris, and she'd put them on her put them on her lawn. Those those what I'd buy. That's what I'd buy. I was gonna get her acting lessons because Deadpool, all she does is just grunt. But she's great in Deadpool though. But all she does is grunt. But she's great at that role. She's great at grunting. That's true. Listen, she so maybe buy her. So yeah, maybe yeah, but acting courses that that'd be perfect then. Or just yeah. speaking courses at that point. That's true. That's true. I, I, I would have thought I would have given her uh, the gift she got in the Mandalorian, which was a badge, which in, you know, she's she's in the outer skirts of the of the uh, the galaxy. There's, n- there's no need for her to be on a police force of any sort. But anyway, weird plot point in the Mandalorian. We won't get into that. What we are going to get into is. Oh, sorry. I didn't know we were done. Uh, again, this is the kind of thing where not being in studio is difficult because you don't have the visual cues that we usually use. Uh, but we do have the auditory cues. Hopefully, that was enough time for Eagle to go get it because it's time for the news. Terry is the news. Is it now? It is, absolutely. And with whenever you hear that high quality production of Eagle humming the song, uh, you know, you know definitely that it is time for the news. Um, the Jets no longer um, are tanking, or maybe they can't tank, or maybe the Rams are just bad. I don't know. I don't even know what to think of this game. Adam Gase found a way to really screw up his situation further. Um 
I love how all the Jets fans on Twitter and like fa- famous Jets fans like KFC and those guys, they're 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 mad. Like they were rooting for them to lose, and they just kept on winning. They just kept on. They beat the fucking Rams. They beat the Rams, yeah. and the Rams are like a, were were a favorite going into the playoffs for the NFC. Like they were playing well, and uh, it, it's crazy to me how Gase can suck so bad at his job. He's like, listen, I know I'm gonna get fired, so I want to screw over the next guy to not get Trevor Lawrence. So. Let's just do that, and let's just fi- let me finally learn how to coach and win games against a very so, good defensive team. So I don't think players really like players have no interest in tanking, right? Because it looks bad for their future. They, there's no guarantee they'll be on well, the Jets next. They're year. professionals. They're competitors, right? They're not going to exactly. And you don't get to that level unless you're ultimately competitive. Is is, yeah. is exactly my point. Yeah. Um. But usually, where you will see it is in the coaching. And it just seemed odd because that defense was not interested in tanking at all. They yeah. they wanted to win that game. They were all over the place in the first half. They took a thirteen nothing lead. Um, and you know what? Like all the journalists and all the the fans that like you're talking about, um, the same journalists, by the way, who were ripping the Dolphins last year. All of a sudden, now that it's a New York team, it's like, oh well, yeah, you know, they're really playing for the future. Fuck you. And you know what? This is exactly <laughs> what you deserve. You don't. The Jets don't deserve Trevor Lawrence. They don't deserve Justin Fields. This is the team that passed on Dan Marino, right? So, like, this is what you get. This is this is what your existence deserves. It's not my fault you were born there. It's not my fault you chose the worst New York team to be the, t- the one to represent you. Terry and I chose the Mets after we lost the Expos. It happens. Yes. You make bad decisions. So you get exactly what you deserve. I-, I-, I have no pity for them. And you know what? I'm actually happy for the players because – Nobody wants to go winless. It's a terrible feeling. I would have been really sad for Frank Gore if this ends up being his last season and it would have been a winless season. I always felt that New York City is more of a Jets city and like outside of New York City, like New Jersey is more like Giants territory. Am I right? Like do I – can I – is it 50-50 or am I like – am I leaning? It's kind of like – it's kind of like uh, Yankees-Mets in the sense where like if you're like Queens – you know, um, Mets, yeah, yeah. Yankees like probably a Mets fan. You probably won't find a lot of Mets fans in the Bronx. You probably won't find a lot of Yankees fans in Queens. Yeah, yeah, I get that. You won't find Giants fans outside of Manhattan. I don't think. But you're right. Like in Jersey, there's a lot of Giants fans. In Montreal, there's a lot of Giants fans. Actually, just because for a long time they they were they were the regional team that was covered. That like my dad would always say that that was the only team he can watch. Back in the, in the like the sixties, like that's yeah. the only team you catch on TV. That's why he's a Giants fan to this day. Yeah, um, the Giants actually uh, they lost in an impressive fashion. Um, so you want to go for it on fourth down, Terry, and you you have you have a quarterback who's shown some promise and Colt McCoy who's playing okay. You know, like he's moving the ball. He's playing and as a good backup. You, you you have this bizarre formation where you have your punter throwing the ball to a wide open receiver, but He's also a punter. Like, he's not a quarterback. And, and like, you end up going down into the half of 13 nothing instead of what could have been 13-9 with all the opportunities they had to kick field goals. And Joe Judge's Joe uh, press conference, he said, well, you know, um, you're not going to win this game by kicking field goals. I mean, but 13-9 is an okay first half score, right? 39 is a first half score. It's a first quarter score to me. I actually went to a game, coincidentally, at Medlife. If it was Jets Steelers and the game ended 39, it was the most boring game of all time. So, yeah, it isn't a, 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 a I don't think it's a first half score anymore. The NFL has become such no, a. I'm, I'm saying it, it would have been the first half score of that oh, game. Okay, okay, yeah, I get it. But and yeah, like, that, that's a pretty decent place to be. 
it's a sign of overthinking, overcoaching when you realize that you're you when you try to put the game in your punter's hands. Yeah, yeah. Like already, nobody wants anybody to be kicking in football. <laughs> so like, they're, they're barely even on the team to begin with. Yeah. But, but like, let's say okay, you want to be aggressive. Why not be aggressive with your quarterback on the field? Because it's obvious what you're doing with the quarterback. Trying to score? Yeah. <laughs> Where the punter, you're like, oh, okay, they're giving it up. But, like, so, I don't know. It was just, it was, they, they, they lined up their field goal team, and then they, they read, like, they, they had one of those formations where they had, like, three guys on the line of scrimmage, and, like, just, just really bizarre, bizarre uh, situation. Um, but yet the Browns end up in the weirdest situation ever. So the Browns, if they win out, could have 11 wins. Um, sorry, no, if they lose the last week of the season, they'll be 11 and 5. If they win next week and lose the last game of the season, they'll be 11 and 5. They will have lost the division to Pittsburgh. If if Miami and the Ravens win out, then they the Browns will be 11 and 5 and not having made the playoffs. I and this is a season where they've extended to add a team into the into the NFL playoffs. I had actually feel bad for Browns fans at that point. Like that, at that point, nobody wants you to win. I, I'm trying to think of like so in this in this COVID scenario, I think they could have found a different way to make the playoffs. Okay, they added one more team. I oh, get but it. This was before COVID. This was actually a change we were making before COVID hit. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah, it was the competition committee wanted to add because everyone's trying to increase the the postseason because that's where you make the most revenue. Yeah. So, but with the Browns, is it's just it adds to their 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 infamy. You know what I mean? Yeah, infamy. So, like, if you're a Browns fan, do you secretly want it because it gives you that extra thing to complain about of, like... Oh, 100%. They'll be like, oh, we don't want to make the playoffs. We don't think we're going to win this year. But So, we don't want to be in. We just want to complain about not being in. Well, we, could, oh, we could have beaten everybody, but realistically, they know they couldn't beat the Chiefs or beat the Steelers or the Ravens. Actually, the Steelers, after the last couple of games, I think that anybody can beat them, basically. So, every couple, Bengals of, week, beat. Every couple of weeks, you, you have, like, the media pundits come out and they talk about who's going to come out of the AFC, uh, AFC and, like, you know, the Bills are the sexy team now and the, the Steelers were that team to start the season. But, like, I mean, Kansas City, is it's not sexy, but Kansas City's winning the AFC, right? Like, there's not another team that's as good as the Chiefs. Unless, we like, thought, they just... We thought the Steelers, they, were just had a, they just had a weak schedule, but then there when... There was never a time where I thought that Steelers could win that game 50% of the time. I, I was oh, like... I... I agree. Yeah, uh, I'm on the same page as you. Yeah, the, 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 I mean, it's not the sexy thing to say, but like the Chiefs have the best quarterback, and then the fastest skill positions. Oh, and their defense is good now. And by the way, their tight end is the league leading receiver. Like, it doesn't even matter who like who else is on who else is competing with them. They're, they're the best team by far, by far and above. Best team in the NFL or just in the AFC? AFC guaranteed, but I I don't even see anyone really beating them for a decade. So. Like it's the it's what the Patriots were. Well, they're gonna have to now with the Chiefs. Eventually, they're not gonna be able to afford people. They can't keep on giving people six hundred million dollar contracts and expecting to afford people. You know, I don't think it matters though, because if you have that quarterback, does it matter that much? So you think he's he's gonna be like Rodgers, where anybody you put in, he'll be successful? Yeah, with with a with better coaching with and and with uh, a front office that actually supports him and surrounds him with talent. And doesn't draft the quarterback. Doesn't draft the quarterback to replace him. <laughs> doesn't draft his. Oh, you know, maybe Chad Henney. Chad Henney might be that guy. Oh, <laughs> I love Chad Henney. My favorite Chad. Chad Henney's my favorite Chad. I've said it all. I've well, he's it. the only Chad worthwhile, basically. Exactly. Well, there's Chad Pennington. That's true. That's true. And, what other uh, the Chads Hennings are there? 
sure there's other Chad quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, it's, it's, there's more in lacrosse for sure. Guarantee there's Brads and Chads in lacrosse. Guarantee. It's a Brad and Chad league. It's a Brad and Chad league. It's, it's a Brad, Brad and Chad league. league. I think that's safe <laughs> to say. I think it's safe to say. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned the Steelers, and I didn't want to watch that game. I started that, uh, you know, the first half. I didn't even watch it because my wife and I were watching a Christmas movie, and I was like, I'm not watching the Bengals. This is a shit show. And then I saw people on Twitter reacting as I should have been paying attention to a movie but was on Twitter the entire time because there's still football happening. Yes. And so, you know, and how can you movie, watch a movie without being on Twitter? It exactly. It's impossible. It can't be done. I don't even know how Maybe I one person movie. in history that's ever done it. Go. Exactly. Can't be done. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock and that's it. Um, <laughs> but so I, I was, I was um, you know, compelled to switch over because – Everyone on my Twitter feed was like, oh, my God, this is a crazy game, crazy game. And I think people often mistake um, close football for good football. Yeah. That was a terrible game. I didn't watch it. Oh, dude, like you saved yourself. Like it was it was um, fun in that, like, you know, with the Steelers loss and like people like laughing at Juju because he danced on the logo, which like I don't even get like, OK, the guy, quote unquote, disrespected the the. Uh, the uh, unwritten rules of football, but who cares? Like he's giving us something to talk about. Um, that's not why they're losing. They're losing because Ben Roethlisberger is a thousand years old and his body's breaking down, and he can't throw the ball down the field. Anytime his he used to be one of the more accurate downfield passers, and I want to say his he ranks something like twenty um, eighth in the league of passes um, going beyond fifteen yards. So like so, he just. Are adjusting to how he's playing. Is it his fault or is it Juju's fault? So I actually I, I was reading something saying that you know him dancing on the logos is you know inspiring the other team to play more aggressive, more physical, kind of get them riled up. So someone said next week when they play at home, he should do the same thing to get the Steelers riled up. <laughs> Imagine they get super pissed. They're like, "Fuck this guy dancing on our logo," and he's like, "Hey guys, it's me." Go to Pittsburgh and piss on your own logo. Yeah, they just whip it out. Rally troops. Yeah, all whip stuff, it out. All that stuff piss is just, on the middle of the field. All that stuff is just uh, media jargon, right? Like, like these guys can't get more competitive. There's nothing in the world that gets them more wound up to play than playing football because they're pro athletes. Like that's what they do for a living. I, I don't know. Like people are saying that because Josh Allen had his little uh, pep talk in the tunnel right before. He's like, they can dance all they want. We're here to win, whatever. And they end up smoking them. So everybody's like, oh, now all the teams are motivated. I don't think anybody really gives a shit. But the one money, one funny meme that I saw was uh, uh, Juju has 95 TikToks. That's more than he has yards in any game this year. He's the total. He, the most he's had this year is 93 yards. But but that's the thing is I think like watching the Steelers, it's it's weird to see. Uh, ben Roethlisberger looks like he's playing for Adam Gase. Actually, you know what? That's what might happen. Now that the Jets lost, Adam Gase, who will still be the coach of the Jets for some reason next year, will trade for Ben Roethlisberger, and he'll be the one throwing the three-yard slants. Because that's all he's doing. I had a debate with a couple friends, and uh, is Mike Tomlin a good coach? I don't know. I've actually thought of this, too. I don't think he's a bad coach because players respect him, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he's like a genius like in terms of like a guy who like develops like smart schemes and stuff and and his mm-hmm. and the Steelers have always surrounded him with guys like Dick LeBeau and and you know uh Charles Haley back in the day he was really good at designing plays like as much as nobody likes Haley he was really good at, 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 at 
Todd Haley, sorry, Charles Haley. Charles was, Haley is uh, another a completely different person. Yeah, yeah but not every coach thing. needs to be like the mastermind schemer, right? If they can exactly. be the motivational speaker, the leader of the troops, and basically do all the coordination and logistics stuff for the team, make sure the team's ready to go, and all the you know his subordinate coaches are the ones actually doing the work. To me, that sounds like the definition of a good coach, right? You don't have to be uh, a Kyle it's Shanahan type, type of fellow of to run a team. My, my, so so my, I think, I think when, the, when Dan Quinn lost Kyle Shanahan, for example, he lost the scheme guy. But like he was just a guy that players liked and was really good at motivating guys. I think Tomlin's that kind of coach. And the Steelers are just a good organization that have always surrounded him with the right kind of people to help uh, elevate the rest of the yep. parts that... I would agree to that, but I think my, I think the difference between him and Quinn, for example, is that Tomlin knows that he may not be that person, so he makes sure that he has people on his staff that will fill that role for him, you know? My thinking with Mike Tomlin is that, okay, so people people say, and the friends that I, I had this debate with were talking, and they said that he was gifted a team back in 2007, whenever it was. Yeah, 2007. And yeah, that's true, because he was gifted an organization that like has like this already this this uh, infrastructure built in that's f to win in those 13 years that he's coached. He's never had a season below 500. He's, mm -hmm. he's been, uh, considered one of the top defenses year, in like eight out of the, out of the 13 years. He's won the division five times. He's made the playoffs nine times. He's so he's had success as a coach. Yes. He might not be the scheme guy. Yes. Dick LeBeau has coached everything. But another theory I had was, is that, with the years that the defense wasn't playing well, he, there was one year he had the number one offense when the defense wasn't playing well. So there's something there to say that Mike Tomlin is a guy that can that people want to play for. And to me, that's a good coach. That's a good leader. Yeah. He's not the mastermind that Bilicek is. I think we can all agree to that. He's made some bonehead uh, uh, timeout calls and, and uh, clock management calls. and it, It's crazy. He's made some really shitty calls. But realistically, the guys won two Super Bowls, right? Two? One. One okay, he made it to two Super Bowls. Yeah, because Cowher won the first one. Exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, but look, he's, he's a good coach. I just he's not the mastermind that we expect in like an Andy Reid, Sean McVay, Bill Belichick. He's not that type of coach. But I he's think, a, he's I very think, old school. But I think that you know, again, in the right circumstance, um, you need a combination. Like there aren't many coaches who are Bill Belichick who have that that leadership ability and have that 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 schematic ability, right? Yeah. Um, the, there's one of Bill Belichick, basically. As, yeah. as far as I know, throughout NFL history, maybe Bill Walsh is the next is the next closest. But like, um, or Don Shula, like like even Don Shula wasn't even a great scheme guy. Again, he's he's just a guy who was really good at getting the most out of his out of his players. And I think that's what Tomlin is. That that's how Tomlin will be remembered because he went he went eight and eight with Mason Rudolph and uh, the other Chad. What's his name? Uh, Duck Duck Hodges, a guy named Duck. <laughs> The other I, don't, I, don't care. I don't care. I don't care how how talented you are to get drafted to the NFL. Your name is the most common autocorrect on iPhones. So relax, relax, Duck Hodges. Um, the the uh, another team with with uh, that kind of guy is my Miami Dolphins. Coach Flo has his guys playing for him. He, he he's getting a lot out of a team that still on the offensive side of the ball has a deficit of talent. They beat the Patriots this week with all that information about like what Bill Belichick does against rookie quarterbacks. They had three three rookies starting in the offensive line. They had uh, you know no starting the starting tight end, starting running backs and starting receivers, plural, not in the game. 
And they do what, what they've always done in Miami, which is make New England's life difficult. And they come out with the win for the second year in a row to end this, you know, late in the season over, over the New England Patriots. I think Brian Flores should get coach of the year. I think so, too. I, I think I Brian Flores should get coach of the year. Whatever. I, I'm a homer and whatever. You can say whatever really, you want. I really do. I mean, if not him, then, you know, Stefanski can be up there. But Brian Flores, to me, so far has my vote for coach of the year. See, I, I don't say Stefanski just because we expect, like, the Browns were supposed to be this last year, right? And and Freddie Kitchens is perhaps the worst coach in the, in the NFL history. Like, he, he, how can you make that offense be as boring as it was last year? And with you're seeing how just a guy with, like, you know, an ounce of confidence can, can make this, this team just be, you know, at the top of the league, basically. And, um, you're right, Terry, because he's doing this with, again, you know, having to manage the situation with Fitz, Fitzpatrick and the rookie quarterback, having to deal with the fact that um, he doesn't have the skill position. Like, even if with Devontae Parker, how many teams would replace their number one receiver for Devontae Parker? It's a good point. Like, he's the think, worst of the best receivers in the I don't league, think, right? I don't think, I'm trying to think of maybe Tennessee. Who do they have? O.G. Brown? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, there you go. I would say AJ Brown and Corey Davis are both better than than Devontae Parker. Oh, maybe I don't know. I'm I'm just brain. I'm just. I mean, Indianapolis. He's better than Ty at this point. I think. Maybe. maybe but then there's Michael Pittman. I don't know if he's better than Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman has a bigger ceiling, I guess. I, I don't mean, know. Like, but yeah, there's there's a question there on every you're team. Comparing him to a rookie receiver who missed the first six games of the season. Yeah, exactly. But that, so. that, that's what you're putting the bar. Eagle, do you have a suggestion? For a team that's got worse, a worse number one receiver, because you can't even see your Packers the because Giants. it's Devontae Adams. Giants no, Devontae Adams is a beast. I mean, I would say he's top three in the league. If you forget, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, Giants um, the Jets don't have a receiver. The Jets, Giants, but like you're looking at winless teams, or again, the other guy you mentioned was a guy who was injured to start the season in his rookie <laughs> year. I'm just going through teams. That's why. Who do the Giants have? Nobody. The Eagles. And, uh, like the and, Eagles have Alshon Jeffrey. I would take today. I would take yeah, maybe the Eagles. The Eagles are good. Sean Jeffrey, yeah. Actually, you know what? Like, like if you're the Dolphins, you can get, if you can swindle like the the Eagles for a first round pick just because they're desperate for for a receiver. Devontae Parker, go for it, please. But I think Devontae Parker could be a very good number two receiver behind the number one receiver that they can draft next year. Oh, Eagle, how happy would you be if the Packers actually had Devontae Parker as the number two in uh, in Green Bay? I mean, yeah, our number two doesn't really exist right now, right? We have a whole bunch of number threes, so anyone would be good at this point. Well, and, um, and I'll go. I'll, I'll even go one further. I'll go one further. Is there a team with a worse number two receiver than Jakeem Grant? Yeah, that's true. Because he's back, we're back to the Jets. I, I am going to add here. Washington to the list of people without really a true number one receiver, right? Oh, Terry they have, McLaurin. Terry McLaurin's very good. Terry McLaurin's very good. You, very you would good. put him as a number one on other teams? Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of advanced analytics by done by people much smarter than I am that talk about separation when he's running routes, and he's like top 10% in the NFL. Yeah, really? very good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He just plays for a garbage organization, which we'll touch on yes, later. Dwayne Haskins throwing him the ball last week. I yeah. am generally surprised. Honestly, I, I didn't I didn't know that either. And it was it came on my Twitter feed, I want to say three weeks ago, because I follow a lot of the because of my involvement in fantasy football, I, I follow a lot of people who look at advanced analytics to sort of try and give me an edge. And Terry McLaurin's one of these people who keeps coming up on lists because just what he does from a route running perspective, he creates separation in a way kind of like Jarvis Landry does where you don't even know unless you know what you're looking for. 
But a guy like that's always open, basically. Like that's why yeah. Jarvis Landry's been catching 100 passes a year for for almost a decade at this point. Just because his separation is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your Cowboys um, got a win without Zeke Elliott, and I actually I want to call back an ar- a conversation. And Alex, the intern, actually posted that he said, "Don't be surprised if Zeke Elliott's not on the team next year." I think the the financial constraints going to make it such that the, 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 he's going to be on the team. But I remember saying, "I don't know if you can pay a running back the way they paid Zeke in today's NFL." No, not like, anymore. I, not anymore. I support that's the fact sure. that I, from his perspective. He did the right thing sitting out to get paid because you need to get your money while you can. Of course. But I can also understand the team's perspective saying, listen, is it even valuable to pay a running back anymore? Well, that's the thing. And that's what the the Rams did, right? They paid Gurley and then they got rid of him just so they don't have to pay him again. You know, and it's like because they know that if they go to arbitration with this player, they're going to have to pay him. I mean, the the NFLPA has has negotiated – uh, you know, fair play and fair and uh, and fair pay. You know, for 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 these types of situations where there's arbitration and mediation, so you can get the best dollar value for your player. And I think that with Zeke, is that he, his ceiling is so high, he can have a game that's better than anybody's. But this year, it hasn't worked for him. There's something going on there. I don't know if it's mental, if he's going through stuff in his personal life or whatever it is. But he's fumbled more times this year than mm-hmm. he has his entire career. He's he's underperforming like way below his average uh tony pollard has is a is an excellent excellent running back by committee and uh, type of player and he balled out this week and i think that zeke doesn't have to worry about losing his starting job but he might have to worry about not having a job with the cowboys in two years but also jerry jones keeps players as long as he has to pay them so if he still has to pay zeke he's gonna pay him he's not gonna just let him walk for free that's 100% sure. The thing, the thing is, though, I remember coming across some information. One, one is that, you know, the, the Patriots made all these Super Bowl runs. And even last year, like, Damian Williams was a starting running back for the Chiefs. Like, there just isn't the value that there used to be at that position. The yeah. other thing is um, that there was a guy who did some advanced studies on running backs. And he said the only place – because scheme and offensive line play actually has a bigger – uh, role when it comes to uh, running back efficiency. Um, but the only place where you can look at to see where guys are actually truly valuable is how they are as short yardage running backs. Like, mm-hmm. can they get yards after first contact? And it would surprise me is that Zeke was actually near the bottom of the league in that in that metric. And I was like, well, you know, but that seems weird because he seems to have the body type where you would think he, he's a great short yardage running back, but he, he hasn't been in his, in his career. He's a- with the, with the injuries on the offensive line, he looks like just a regular guy. He's a dual threat running back, which means that a lot of his a lot of his uh, damage is done in open space because yeah. he's able to. He's very shifty. He plays a lot like Emmitt Smith, actually. Emmitt Smith was he's a, he's a smaller guy, but he had uh, he he had a way to bounce off people, and Zeke has that too. Where in short yardages, he's able to bounce off, but just get those four or five yards. But Zeke does a, his biggest damage is in open space where if you give him a screen pass he might take it to the house if you give him like just an out pass or like an out route or or toss or or you know just off just off tackle kind of stuff he'll that's where he does well he does he doesn't do his he doesn't do well uh well he hasn't done well this year in uh in between the gaps in between the tackles he's done most of his stuff from the outside and it's it sucks it's weird to see uh zeke not being 
like the candidate for offensive player of the year like he is usually every year. And I think that with a Tony Pollard there, it kind of gives him a break, lets him rethink. I don't think Zeke is done. I'm not going to deny Alex the intern's suggestion to, that Zeke won't be there next year. I mean, I mean, I will because he will be there next year, but I just don't think that the book is written on Zeke yet. I think that he still has a couple more years left of dominance, and then he'll be out. He'll be out of, out of the Dallas Cowboys uh, yeah. franchise. Let's just hope the the financial constraints don't crimple the team from keeping the well, core together. Every, every year it's an issue with them. Every year they're yeah. close to the cap. So regardless, Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, they've learned how to manage the cap. And every year they have cap issues. They end up getting rid of somebody. You know, they got rid of Byron Jones last year. What's Byron Jones done for the Dolphins? He's been okay. He actually and hasn't he's been injured a couple of games, no? Uh, no, he's, well, he's, so uh, the, the, uh, the pro football focus ranked him at like 60th. And corners in the league, but I think he's getting targeted more because Xavier Howard's on the other yeah, side. So exactly, it's just like someone's good. Someone's going to give up catches just based on volume. Yeah, exactly. I like Byron Jones. I still do. I think he's a great corner, and he was great for us. But you know, he didn't want to pay him. And the thing is, cornerbacks and running backs are kind of the same thing, where you can just it's just throw a bunch of them out there and see which one's the best, and yeah. we'll see what happens. And and I think that's what's happening now with the running with running backs across the league. Even if you look at in the Chiefs, they have who do they have? The Chiefs they have. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, uh, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, we have Le'Veon Bell and uh, Le'Veon Bell. And, and they have somebody else too, no? They have Clyde Edward and uh, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams. So like they have got three guys there, and they're like a championship team. Anyway, we can well, and, and what they have where they have values, they have a guy in a rookie deal. But we'll but, get, we'll get to that in future shows because I'm sure the Chiefs aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, the we're living a strange reality, Terry. Um, where things are ha- happening and like we deal with sports constantly on a weekly basis. We deal with sports. We talk sports nonstop. We write blogs. We're here on the show. But yet I was surprised to see that bowl season had begun and the NBA season had begun. And for now, James Harden is still a, uh, a Houston Rocket, but it looks like uh, the, the latest deal has him going to the Nuggets uh, and Jamal Murray seems to be in play Um I was actually a little bit surprised to see that just because um, I didn't think someone would trade some, someone who's already becoming an established talent. But look, I guess the thinking is if you have the chance to add an MVP, you do it. I don't know, man. I can't give up a guy like Jamal Murray. I think what we saw last year in the playoffs is like you just need to fill this guy with a few other players and you're good. And <clears throat> he can be the star and you don't need to go out and get it. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just so over James Harden. I mean, I guess, but he's the best scorer probably in the history of the league. I understand that. It's people. ugly. Like, it's it's not fun to watch. No, he's, he's, no, I don't care. No, I like watching him play. I mean, it's not. It's I not hate that. watching him play. I will I'm never watch. Not, I'm not a fan of him. I just hate this whole. I want to go out like they just. But, that's, they, but look, they, the thing is, Terry, that that's it that's bothers what, me so much. The, the NBA, the agents are, are have told players basically, create a mess. So if you if you can't do it quietly behind closed doors with a team, create a mess. So like Anthony Davis. Did the route where he spoke to his team and said, "Listen, I'm not going to sign. Get me out of here." Um, but sometimes when teams don't cooperate, that's the only option you have, right? Like, the option is play out your contract, which you don't want to do, or get traded elsewhere. And the way you get traded elsewhere is by creating a mess for the team, and that's yeah, exactly. that's where we're at. So, like, what I would tell teams is, if you don't want this to happen, work with your stars. Do it behind closed doors because this this will always happen. It's not going away. Uh, players have more and more access. Like we're even hearing stuff, the teams even leaking stuff about like James Harden throwing a ball at Jay Sean Tate. And my reaction was, who cares? It's Jay Sean Tate. <laughs> like he, just be happy. James Harden threw a ball. You're relevant enough that James Harden threw a ball at you. 
that's the thing is like will he do well in denver with jokic yes. i mean it, it, you think so yeah because it doesn't matter he's i don't know he's so gifted dude like like so he he's I don't know, man. game the system where he knows what he can do to get called he has the body control to be able to do it and he can step back and hit a three at any time with anyone yeah, in his face. Exactly. Will Jokic be? I mean, Jokic, I guess, will be there just to clean it up if if he misses. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, it becomes a different kind of team. It becomes less interesting to watch. I hate watching James Harden. I can't deny the talent. It's ugly. I I always said for a long time that Melo was to me the most gifted scorer I had ever seen, but that's that's James Harden now, and it's like we're like Melo was like let's say at one level, James Harden just like. With a rocket ship beyond them, basically. So, so how many years until Harden starts the Pizza Pocket diet? <laughs> oh, he's there. I think he's, he's already, already there. there. He's already there. He's, he's, there. He's, he's, no one's told him he can't be eating Pizza Pockets forever. Nothing's um, wrong with Pizza Pockets. I love Pizza Pockets. Kevin Durant looks like himself, and Brooklyn looks scary. Because I, I was like, well, maybe maybe Durant won't be back. to Because that, that, the Achilles injury when you're seven feet tall is terrifying. Yeah. But he was blowing by dudes last night. It was terrifying. Uh, blow. Yeah, I guess he was. I mean, they're gonna be good, but the thing is, is that can Kyrie, KD, Dinwiddie beat Kuzma, LeBron, and AD? Like, yeah, because <laughs> I mean, yes. It, it, where it comes down to is is Ky- Kyrie and 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 uh, and Durant versus Kuzma versus uh, AD and LeBron, right? Because like, that's really where you have the stars. Um. And don't forget, like Brooklyn's got a lot of a better supporting cast than like guys like Calvert and and they're still yeah. there. Like they, yeah. they still they're gonna trade those pieces for a player at some point. Um I, I, I think that the Brooklyn Nets right now are the fourth best team in the league. Maybe. I mean, does it matter though? Because like the, the, between the top four or five, like would you be surprised to see them in the finals, basically, is what I'm saying. And then I like would not, I would not be surprised to see them in the finals. And then you have one of the only guys in the league who can guard AD. And one of the only guys who can score on AD, which is Kevin Durant. <laughs> like Kevin Durant is where where James Harden's probably the most gifted player of all time. It's hard to see. Basically, what Kevin Durant is is a guy who can guard all positions and shoot from anywhere at seven feet tall. Kevin Durant's the most gifted, <laughs> I think. It's, it's and... just like, just a sick athlete all around. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Did you see his interview with Charles Barkley? Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Because Charles Barkley is that because Charles Barkley made a comment about Kyrie Irving? Yeah, that is. Where Charles Barkley's not right. People don't like the personalities because Kyrie and KD are both kind of petty. Yeah, losers. like like KD. I don't know if you remember KD created a fake Twitter account at one point to like Fun, go after his haters. He had seven yeah. Twitter accounts. So like like people don't like that about him, but like the guys are talented players. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but Kyrie acting like he's an artist. Like, come on. You play basketball. Well, but that's that's always been Kyrie's game. Kyrie, he has this weird thing where he always tries to act like the smartest guy in the room, but then yeah. you go out and say the world's flat. Like yeah. maybe maybe just tone that, that tone down that side. Uh, Terry, quickly before we uh, before we break for our interview, um, we we saw the the Washington team. I, I hesitate to even call them the football team, but the Washington team, um, they were in the news because of some sexual misconduct widespread throughout the, the organization. I actually said that I thought this is one thing that might cause Dan Snyder to lose his uh, ownership, as we saw Donald Sterling lose, lose his ownership with the Clippers. But it wasn't the case at all. He settled for $1.6 million uh, in court. Um, I'm surprised. I actually thought I thought this would, this would uh, dissolve the team. But 
there's actually precedent. We saw Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks handle a similar situation with a payout in previous years. Uh, something people don't like to remember about Mark Cuban because he's more likable than Dan Snyder. <clears throat> but um, I was actually surprised to see this go away as quickly as it did. I mean, Dan Snyder's a smart guy for making it go away right now because if we hear about this three years later, it'll cause more problems. And people will be like, oh, and we're going to be three years already after the social justice warriors started kicking in and stuff like that. So like people are going to be a lot more woke in three years from now, and Dan Snyder wouldn't have survived. So I think getting ahead of this and you know paying them off – listen, yeah. if they accepted it, they accepted it. Is it right? I, mean, I don't think it's right. At some point, it's it's the lawyers going back to the client saying, "Listen, this is going to be hard for you to sustain this in court because he has more money than you. Much more money. Here's a way you can punish him. Uh, it's it won't make you feel you know much better because what happens still happened, but at least at least you get um you, at least you get to punish the guy who did you so, who did you some wrong. And um, I once I once compared Dan Snyder to an itchy asshole in church where you know it's there but you just you're scared to like reach in and scratch it. And that's that's exactly Roger Goodell is the guy sitting in church. <laughs> it, it also depends on the way they've written the agreement too, right? Because you know if there's like the whole non-disclosure agreement built into it, then that kind of sucks. But imagine if they can also do the tell-all book after the fact and everything, so they can still oh, win in public it. opinion. Yeah, I doubt. I, 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 look, it, it's 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 not going to be hard to win in public opinion. Terry, you mentioned, you know, you said like people will be more woke, and and I think it's it's difficult to use that word because I think. In general, you want people to feel safe in the workplace, and that has sort of a negative connotation. I think uh, people just be more aware of uh, how to behave in a workplace because a long time sports hasn't realized that, hey, this is a, an actual workplace and people have the same rights they have in any other office. You know what I mean? It's a corporation. The entire company isn't a locker room. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, not like, it's not like they're with the guys and they're having fun in the showers and they're just joking around and they're doing stupidities, whatever. It's not... It's real life for the rest of the people that aren't athletes in that organization. They they probably have thousands of employees. You know, I mean, maybe not thousands, maybe a thousand employees overall. So, I mean, there's people that that aren't in that sport. They don't even know how to play football. They're just like people in an office, marketing team or whatever, sales team. And we have to realize that they don't understand the um, the whole locker room vibe. And we have to take we have to take that into consideration. How they don't understand what I'm going to be talking about with my buddy in the locker room. You know, I, I mean, can't treat them the same way. So you you mentioned you mentioned Dan Snyder as the itchy asshole. We're going to talk to our next guest about a flaming asshole in <laughs> uh, David Sampson, ex vice president of the Expos. Terry, you know I love going at Dave Sampson because I think he's just an absolute douchebag. Uh, I feel like he robbed our city. I feel like he was disingenuous. We're going to talk to a guy who literally wrote the book and then five other books on the Montreal Expos. Danny Gallagher joins us when we come back next. And we're back. Uh, Terry, joining us right now is Danny Gallagher. Danny uh, is a longtime Expos fan, much like yourself uh, and I, that even though the team isn't here, our, our uh, fandom has never died. Um he is also the writer of uh, six Expos books. Uh, there's one, uh, most notably Blue Monday, of course. But uh, he's also got one coming out now available at Amazon and Indigo, as well as any uh, likely any other bookstore. You, you, you can probably find it. Uh, the book's called Always Remembered. He's here to talk to us about that book and about Terry, Terry and I's uh, joint passion, which is the Montreal Expos. How's it going, uh, Danny? Uh, very good. You know, there's still a lot of uh, 
exposed fever out there, even though the, the team has been gone, what, 15, 16 years. Uh, a lot of memorability being worn by people in Quebec and Montreal and the rest of Canada. And uh, even a lot of fans in the United States, if you can believe, a lot of exposed mm-hmm. fans all over North America. I uh, I don't doubt that at all. My fandom actually began before birth. Uh, when my parents were going to have me, they went to spring training earlier that year. Um, and I actually have a ball signed by all the 1982 Expos. It's got Tim Raines on there. It's got uh, Gary Carter, um, some, some notable names. And it's uh, it's one of these, these things that no matter how many times I've moved in my life, I've always had it with me. It's, uh, yeah, good. it's an heirloom I've had since birth, basically. So definitely a huge huge expos fan and and the book blue monday is actually a reference to probably the the second saddest moment in expos history um <laughs> after of course the uh the teams moving to washington uh but why don't you tell us a little bit about your new book always remembered okay it's a, a book about memories of the expos from 1969 to 2004 a good collage of the start of the franchise to the end and a lot of photographs, there's 92 photographs, that many of which people probably have never seen before. And a lot of nuggets and secrets unlocked in the book. Uh, so it's quite a good read. Um, I think I, the thing is, when I've when I when I, I've read Up, Up, and Away, I started reading Blue Monday. When it comes to Expo's books, it's it, it brings this, this, this nostalgia. And it's like a, I just get buried into the timeline. I wasn't even born in 1981. And I'm like, I remember this. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You've seen it many times, right? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've seen it. You know, I've seen Steve Rogers' pitch. So, I mean, when you come, when you talk, when you write about Expos books, Danny, and you're and you're you're a fantastic writer. It's it's um, it's good to have because, I, like you said before, Danny, the Expos like there's a there's still like this fandom there that's that's live and well. And I think that if they come back, it'll be great. But uh, I'm glad that you're writing all these books for the, about the Expos, or else we'd, lo- we'd lose it. We need people like you. Yeah, it's compiling history of the franchise, and people love that kind of uh, nostalgia going back, whether it's good or bad, from the start of the franchise until the end. And, um, you know, Blue Monday, they finally made the playoffs that year, and they they played 10 playoff games to beat the Phillies in a five-game series, and just came short against the Dodgers and should have gone to the World Series, but heartbreaking. It is. Do you think, I mean, that, that we could talk about that day, but, and the old Jerry Park. I was trying to find a picture of the old Jerry Park to put as my background here, but I have this stupid office that they implemented here, like the generic office uh, uh, background. Um, when, it, when, it, when, it, when it comes back then, it's like we have all these moments. We have 1981, 1994. It's almost as if it's like it's so close. We're almost there. And then it just gets taken away from us. There's millions of conspiracy theories about this. I think Pease and I are the kings of the conspiracy when it comes to how how the league didn't want Montreal to have a team. And as soon as Toronto came in, they took over. Do you think that Montreal would have been able to dominate the Canadian market like Toronto has? Oh, for sure. Yeah, they, see, what they did they, when the Blue Jays came in in 77, the, Blue, uh, the Expos, that's when they started getting really good was actually in 79 when they finally had a, a produced a record above 500 for the first time and almost won the, the National League East in 79 when the, uh, the Pirates beat them out. And then in 1980, 
the Phillies beat them out at the end, and then you know they finally make the playoffs in '81, and Rip Mundy's home run beats them out in '81, and then '82 they also had a great team, but then they faltered near the end of the season and uh, didn't make it then either. And, and then some play, uh, people say that they also had a great team in '83, and they did lead uh, the National League East in '83 for a fair amount of time, and then they folded near the end. But uh, then, of course, they had a good team in '94. But they also had a good team in '87, and they fell short. Uh, they won over 90 games in '87, and then they had a great team in '89. And they're just another team that folded. That should have won the National League East in '89, and uh, it was too bad. Yeah, Danny, I'm um, I'm curious. I have a line of questioning that I want to get into with you, but before that, I think we need to establish something. What are your thoughts on the last Expos ownership group of Jeffrey Loria and uh, Vice President of Operations uh, David Sampson? Uh, I don't think too much of those guys. Awesome. <laughs> so we're on the same page. <laughs> they took over from uh, the Claude Beauchou group, and then, you know, they, they, Claude Beauchou tried hard to try to get a new stadium and get new ownership people in in there, and then the minority shareholders kind of forced Claude Beauchou out, and then Jeffrey Lawyer came in and David Sampson, and then they thought that they could try to get a new stadium, and that didn't work out. And then the, the major league owners and Bud Seeger decide to, to pull off this triple play where Major League Baseball would buy the Expos from Jeffrey Lawyer and then Jeffrey Lawyer would be allowed to buy the Marlins. And John Henry, the Marlins owner, was allowed to buy the, the Red Sox. It was a bit of a, a, bit of a farce, really. But uh, mm-hmm. and that, in the last three years, the Expos were, were owned by Major League Baseball. It was pretty sad. Yeah, I remember yeah, those games. I went, I went to about uh, forty games in the last season, and it was just a sad, sad feeling to be in that stadium. But referring to that ownership group, uh, David Sampson made some claims recently, and I want to know your thoughts uh, about them. Uh, one of the claims was that uh, he wasn't willing to take pennies on a dollar for a, a deal with RDS. And if you remember, uh, we actually lost uh, the Expos on television towards the end, and. Um, my thinking was always that they made an offer knowing that RDS wouldn't accept and then then sort of waved their hands and said, well, uh, we, we won't, uh, you know, we couldn't come to terms and this, this deal's not going to work for us. And the other claim he made was that an outdoor, an outdoor field, uh, a non-dome field couldn't work in Montreal. And I think that, you know, we've already seen that with the impact and with the, you know, weather has changed through time and, and it's, it's not... Uh, by 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 you know April you have pretty decent weather in Montreal going all the way up to November. Uh, but I just want to know your thoughts on on both of his claims. Well, I, I guess he just had those things that he wanted to put out there. Whether he had enough money to keep it going or contribute money toward a stadium, I guess maybe he felt that there weren't any enough sponsors to do something with the the media radio and TV stations in Montreal. I know at one year, didn't uh, Dave Van, Van Horn had to do radio broadcasts on the internet. It was a pretty, pretty farcical. So uh, it's, in the end, Lawyer just wasn't, uh, 
a reliable owner. He just wasn't uh, good enough to to keep it going. And he uh, he made the excuse he wanted to turn it over to Major League Baseball. So it was all a kind of a farce, really. That's the, that's the thing is that there's all these these like we we spoke about before the conspiracy theories. There's all these things that go around. It's kind of like this cloud that goes around what really happened to the Expos and we're. I mean, we have all these these authors and these journalists and these pundits all talking, and you guys talking, and then it's just not acknowledged by the the people that were in charge at that point, like Dave Sampson. It's like they make it seem like they were the only ones that were right, and everybody else was wrong, and they tried their best, and they did whatever they could do. But at the end of the day, being owned by the league that was that was proactively trying to get you out of the city, there was no way that they were going to be able to survive, and it's it sucks for me to see that. Yeah, I'd like to have been able to, and nobody really wants to talk. Jeffrey Lawyer would not talk to me, or David Sampson, or how that all came down as to how that triple play was made and uh, how they ended up going to Washington. Portland, Oregon was interested in taking the Expos. There's a a couple of chapters for a book down the road, if anybody would be willing to, to talk to me or anybody else. But as you say... They, nobody seemed to really want to talk and spill out the real details about all all of that situation. So, Danny, um, you, from that book you have coming out, um, what are some of uh, what's what sort of like a, an interesting story you can tell us that many people may not know about the Expos? Okay, maybe the Pete Rose story from 1984. Rose played. Uh, Part of that season, after a long career with Cincinnati and the Phillies, and after the '83 season, the Phillies were not interested in bringing him back, and they had a policy, the Expos, that single players could not go on an airplane on road trips. Mm-hmm. So the first, the first road trip for the for the Expos was in Cincinnati, in Pete Rose's hometown. So he was dating for about six years. This lady, Carl Wolling. So what they did on the second last, or maybe the last day of that road trip in Cincinnati, they arranged to go into the courthouse in Cincinnati and get married so that they could go on the plane back to Montreal after that game. So they got married. Pete Rose walked out of the courthouse into the clubhouse, put his uniform on, and played that game the Expos against the Reds and after the game he was able to get on the plane and adhere to the policy of being a married man. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know I don't yeah. know how many I don't know how many wives would let their, their the on the first day of their wedding would let their husband go play a sport regardless of if it's <laughs> a job or not, you know? I do I do love Pete Rose always playing an angle at all times. Yeah, all all, times there's always an angle. <laughs> um so there's been rumors about the the Tampa Bay Rays uh, being relocated and Montreal getting a team back. The window seems to be somewhere between 2028 and 2032. Um, I want to know what your thoughts were. How hopeful are you and how soon can Terry and I become uh, season ticket season owners? Ticket holders. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's going to happen, it's, Danny. It's gonna happen. I, think, I think it's a joke with the Tampa Bay situation, to be very honest. Like, it's such a long time away. And here's my thinking, is that Tampa Bay owners will get approval from Major League Baseball to sell the team 100% outright to the 
Stephen Blackman people in Montreal. And I think that you'll see a team in Montreal full-time in the next few years as opposed to 27, 27 or 2028. They'll be playing full-time in Montreal, I think, in the next few years. Awesome. That, you know, that sharing agreement is a farce. It'll never happen, that sharing agreement. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think. I don't think it's. Uh, we're going to be sharing a team. I do think we're going to uh, either be inheriting t- uh, that team or uh, be getting our own franchise. There just seems to be so much momentum heading in that way. Um, the landscape of Montreal is very different, and I think. Uh, I think this would be the appropriate time. Um, Danny, thank you for joining us today. If you want to follow Danny, he's a great Twitter follow, by the way. Um, he can be followed at. Um, I just had it in front of you, but it's Dano Gallagher 7, right? Yeah, Dano Gallagher That's right, on Twitter, yeah. yeah and Dan- the, book always, the book always remembered, you can get it at Amazon and Indigo. So far in the month of December, just on Amazon, the book has been out for like nine or ten months, but this month of December, 68 books have been sold on Amazon, which is pretty damn good. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. And That's always and, uh, you know, Blue Monday is still available after all of these the last, last couple of years. Still available on Amazon and Indigo as well. Uh, definitely a great read. Uh, do check out Blue Monday. Do check out Always Remember. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't gotten Always Remember as a stocking stuffer, um, there's plenty of time to get it in the new year. Uh, those who were smart did so in the month of December, as Danny described. But uh, that book's not going anywhere. Uh, it'll it's bound to be a great read because so far everything we've read from you, Danny, has been great. So thank you for joining us today. Okay, thanks for uh, thanks very much, guys. Eh? Thank you, Danny. Appreciate All it. Right, have a good day. Happy holidays. And we're back. That was an awesome interview with Danny Gallagher. We talked tons of expos, which of course made myself and Terry Tam very happy. Uh, we love talking expos. Any chance we get, we still love the team despite them being gone for years. Joining us now for Rapid Fire is Will Power. Uh, Will is our Beat Miami writer, which is weird for a Montreal-based blog, but whatever. We love it. Um, Will, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm really pumped about this. Okay, yeah, shut up. Helmet case. (laughs) The NHL are leaning towards having sponsors, logos on their helmets, and a lot of people seem upset about it. Uh, Pease, what are your thoughts? I, I don't really see that much of an issue. Like We see this in soccer all the time with, with logos on the jerseys. Uh, I think the worry is that it'll look like the KHL where things just look awful. But like we the always K- see Nike logos on football jerseys and basketball jerseys. Like It's not that big a deal. It's a, it's a small sticker on your helmet. Shut up. How, how old are you, Pease? You're old enough to say Nike and not Nike. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the KHL, they have uh, advertisements all over their jerseys and their helmets. If we're going to put one logo, like in the NBA, the NBA, like I think it's the Lakers. They have Bumble, sponsored yeah. by Bumble. You know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. Pieces camera, frozen. And uh, oh, no, Best yeah. way to freeze, by the way. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't think it's the end of the world at all. No, I don't like it. I think um... – I think it's kind of cool to have, you know, like a, just like a fresh look on your helmet. I think like on the side right now and on the boards, the hockey boards, just too many things. You have Tim Warrens, you have Canadian Tire, you have this and that. I like keeping it fresh. So I think it's a bad idea. As long as the players get a cut, I don't mind. But other than that, if yeah. they don't get any cuts, then they're fucking. They should absolutely. But like, the, the, don't the helmets already say like Bauer? Don't they already have a logo? So it's not a big deal. No, because everybody is different, right? It's just going to be a sticker. Like in juniors, 
Uh, they they're, they're sponsored. Like teams are sponsored and stuff. So it's just going to be a sticker. But every player is sponsored by a company, right? So you have Bauer, Warrior, uh, uh, Nike, uh, Jofa. Remember Gretzky's helmet. All right, next, Tom Petty. After Tony Dungy listed Tom Brady as the sixth hardest quarterback to coach against, uh, the future Hall of Famer responded by tweeting the Colts 2004 banner that read the 2014 AFC finalist. I think that's 2004, whoever wrote that. But yes, uh, Terry, your thoughts. Is this super petty or is this such a good burn? No, it's a great burn because how petty is it? How stupid is it to put up a finalist banner in your stadium? Like, how stupid is that? So for him, Tom Brady is like, fuck this shit. I'll just call them out for this. Like, I don't understand. Tony Dungy saying that Tom Brady is the sixth hardest quarterback to coach against when he's never beat him in the playoffs. I, and, and I, uh, I see that. And whenever I see rankings, like, top five, top six, to me it's always like, does it matter? Like, like you're, you're being compared to the top percentage anyway. Like, it, it's just someone's opinion. Who cares? To me, I took the same thing from you, Terry. I was like, why are you celebrating that you're an AFC finalist? That's like me celebrating, yo, I went on this date and I almost had sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, yeah, that is a good you one. You made Aug- Phil- Will very awkward right now. Will very- <laughs> <laughs> I go at all times, at all times. <laughs> I think it's uh, super petty on Brady's part. I think, uh, you know, let's like, I think Tony Tenji's a great coach. And I think that, yeah, the AFC uh, finalist was uh, was kind of corny and stuff. But look, if Brady didn't cheat, he probably would have one or two Super Bowls. So he's not what the guy that's to be what talking. What did he cheat with? All of the steroids. All Deflate the time. Gates, a spy gate, uh, having, always being 14 and 11 with the three refs in his pocket. So, I mean, the list goes on, really. I just say steroids. You might obviously steroids. You Dolphins. You guys are just. Speaking of people who are petty, fledging Irish, the NCAA Final Four is set, and the team that is most talked about right now are the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who just took a beating in the NCAA Championship. Should they even be in that Final Four? Will, you get to go first. I wonder what you're going to say. I appreciate that. Not only should we be in the Final Four, yes, we should definitely be in the Final Four. Look, the last game against Clemson was bad, I'll admit that. No, uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but uh, definitely Notre Dame deserved to make it over over A&M and Cincinnati and over the other teams. Uh, I think that uh, it was just a a bad loss for the time of the year it happened. I think if Notre Dame lost to Clemson like week three, uh, it wouldn't have been a question. So I think like Notre Dame, are they favorites going into the game? No, rightfully so, but I think they definitely deserve to have the four spot. Well, well... Okay, do you really think that? Like, I, think, <laughs> I think they're more worthy than A&M uh, and then Cincinnati and so, then the other okay, yeah. so, okay, I can I can see your argument on Cincinnati. Okay, I understand that. For me, the Texas A&M argument is that going into the game against Clemson, the ACC championship, I, w- I was saying Notre Dame should be number four. It was hands down. After the, If they put up even a, a little bit of a better fight, I would have said okay. But they really got destroyed. They got annihilated. They were embarrassed on the biggest stage that they've been on in the last 10 years. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and Texas A&M has beaten so many teams and, like, decisively so. Like, aren't they 7-0 and against SEC teams? Like, it doesn't make sense. I think they lost Alabama. Yeah, they lost Alabama. And so I think Texas A&M should have been there just on the fact that they're, they're strength of record. I mean, it's nothing against Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is a great team. I like Ian Book. I, I, I don't like the hate on Ian Book either. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like him. I think he's a good quarterback. He'll be a good pro quarterback. But – I do think that they. I don't think they should have been in there. I think there should have been Texas A&M. It's, so, and money, money plays too much of a big part in this, and Notre Dame has the money. I agree with that. Yeah. My issue is this is this is a season 
you know, where some teams played five games, some teams played a full season, some some conferences aren't even there. This was the season for us to get random teams in here. If you if you want to make the argument, you know what, the playoffs is supposed to make the, the, the seasons count, the division championships count, then why did you just give us the same teams you were going to give us in the preseason? Yeah, so exactly. this is the season. This is where you get San Jose State in the finals. This, is, this was our chance to see something different. But in the end, it won't matter because it's going to be Clemson and it's going to be Alabama and Notre Dame won't matter in the end. Next, uh, Cinnamon Salty, Canelo Alvarez believes the Pauls are a disgrace to boxing. Terry, I'll let you take this one. Okay, so they're not a disgrace to boxing. They would be a disgrace to boxing if they decided to fight world champions in boxing. Okay, now Floyd Mayweather is partially retired. So him fighting Logan Paul is, it's whatever. They're fighting a six-round fight. It's not a real fight. If people like Ryan Garcia... Uh, Tio Lopez, uh, I don't know, anybody, uh, Jean Pascal, David Lemire, if these guys are fighting the Pauls, then yes, the Pauls are, are a joke and they're embarrassing the sport of boxing. But they're just doing things on the side, on their own terms, with their own pay-per-views. There's really nothing wrong with what they're doing. Canelo's just salty. Well, and, I'd never, and I never knew that cinnamon could be salty. Uh, Pete, you want to go first? I have no clue what you guys are talking about. All right, cool. Boxing, <laughs> you're not a boxing guy. We're not a boxing guy. No, my my take was that the, the Pauls aren't so much a disgrace to fighting; they're just a disgrace to humanity. So, but <laughs> the thing is, we have an opportunity to get them punched in the face by fighters. Where's the issue? I like this. I like the idea of having YouTube guys getting getting hit. This is this is what the internet's always been meant for. It's always been meant to see jackasses get punched in the face. Give us more of that. Well, well you don't need to answer Paul. this question. You just know they're old Jake Paul, Logan Paul. Uh, yeah, the, the, yes, yes, I do. Okay, do you yes, want to see them get punched in the face by Floyd Mayweather or not? Yes. There, there we go. go. There you go. There's your answer. Win-win. And last one, let it go. Rookie receiver Justin Jefferson uh, was caught on audio, video, screaming, throw the fucking ball, Kurt, after Kurt Cousins doesn't know how to find him in the red zone. Peas, your thoughts. Good thing his name um, is Kirk. I like it. I, that's the thing I'm enjoying most about the NFL season is we're actually able to hear players uh, scream at each other. Um, and you know what? We we how many times are you watching a game and you see like that mid tier quarterback? Not not guys like Aaron Rodgers, not guys like Pat Mahomes, but when you see a guy like Kirk Cousins just buying time, wasting time with a wide receiver wide open that you can see on your television screen, and you're like, just throw the fucking ball. I love it because Justin Jefferson, you're in my living room now. You now know what it's like to be us watching you. I loved it. It was great. And that's it for Rapid Fire this week, boys. Last one of the year. Are we doing one next week? We didn't talk about it beforehand. All right, we're doing one next week. Great. (laughs) So there'll be one more before the end of the year. Uh, Thank you, Will, for joining us. Uh, You were awesome. Um, Danny Gallagher was absolutely great. Loved talking to him. I just did Um, this. Terry, did you actually solve that? I can't see it, it, but did you you actually solve it? Or did you buy it that way? No, I just did it. I, I, when the rapid fire started, I started doing it. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. And did, did you lie. unstick the colors and stick them back in the correct way? <laughs> that's the way I've always done it. But that's I always got to run. My girlfriend can do it in like under two minutes. That's impressive. That's yeah. impressive. I wonder what um, else she can do with her hands. I don't know why. She More impressive is actually Eagle keeping us on the rails this week. Uh, Eagle, you were great, but most importantly. You've been listening to Hot Sauce. Did it play? Did yes, it, it played. It always right, plays. Austin, again, I don't know why it's recorded. I could just say it every week. I could just say you've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. Remember, if you like what we're putting out there, do watch us. Do like us. Do subscribe. We got lots coming out. We got some Christmas stuff coming out. Do check us out. 
Um, and the most important thing, subscribe because we like money. Oh, that's a shame. I was going to say that strippers are part of his bubble, so it's okay. <laughs>